Welcome. You are listening to Mountain View Scattered. This is an audio companion to our weekly church gatherings. It is a way to stay connected while you are away and to learn more about our community, how we can best reach and serve it. I'm your host, Wade. So we are in Ruth chapter 2, and I'm really excited again for Ruth, Um, especially excited this week because last week was honestly still kind of depressing, right? Uh, For the last two weeks, we've been in the realm of depressing, uh, where we see two people, uh, well, multiple people, but then two people specifically, Naomi and Ruth, whose fortune has taken a very swift downturn. Uh, But this week, uh, we're going to see an even more swift turn up for both Ruth and for Naomi. And we see starting in Ruth chapter 2, verse 1, a little bit of foreshadowing, a little bit of a glimmer of hope. We don't know what it means yet because as soon as we read verse 1, the story is going to shift back to the other characters. Okay, but Ruth chapter 2 verse 1, now Naomi had a relative of her husband's, a worthy man of the clan of Elimelech, whose name was Boaz. Now we all know how this story ends, so the name Boaz, at least for me, I get a little warm feeling in my chest when I read that name. Um, I like the name Boaz, okay, Uh, but I love the fact too that he is called a worthy man. Because we remember from chapter 1, verse 1, this is happening in the days of the judges. These are unworthy times, right? So here we have a worthy man in unworthy times. And yet, verse 1 is just left hanging there. As we go on to verse 2, and Ruth the Moabite, again, signifying that she is different from everyone else that she is around right now. And Ruth the Moabite said to Naomi, Let me go to the field and glean among the ears of grain after him, in whose sight I shall find favor. And she said to her, Go, my daughter. Now Ruth doesn't know that Boaz is the one that she's going to find favor in, right? Um, She's literally just going out. Why? Because they have to eat. And she's hoping to find favor in someone's sight. And that someone will probably be a man's site because primarily these were the people owning land. Um, Now, as we move forward uh, this morning, or this afternoon rather, we're going to see five implications from Ruth chapter 2. Five important things that we need to be paying special attention to. uh, Five important things that we should be learning from the second chapter. Um, And we're going to see the first one here in verse 3. So she set out and went and gleaned in the field after the reapers. And she happened to come to the part of the field belonging to Boaz, who was of the clan of Elimelech. So in verse 3, we we understand now why Boaz was introduced in verse 1. But we also see uh, the importance of seeing God in our luck. Okay, Um, (laughs) right? And so, okay, for many of us, and Tara always gets on me, uh, well, that was lucky. I'll say that all the time, okay? 
Uh, it's, look, it's not a bad word to use. It's not a bad word if we're coming at it from the right perspective. And so Ruth here is taking a step forward, um, and she is just going out. All right? And I, I want to say right now that she is stepping out in faith, and yet sometimes when we're doing things, they don't seem like faithful steps. Honestly, sometimes it feels like we're just stepping out into chaos. And if we get lucky, something good is going to happen. Okay? And so, uh, maybe, maybe this is where Ruth's mind is at. This is where my mind is at in a lot of things. Right? When I say, whew, that was lucky. Now, I know better than that. I know that God is in control, in intricate control of my life. And yet at the same time, uh, this idea of luck is exactly what is expressed in the Hebrew in this word, uh, she happened. Um, So it was literally from her perspective at this particular time, by chance, that she came to the field of Boaz. And in a way, it, it really was. All right, so this is maybe too much detail, but let me paint a little picture for you, okay? Um, There were no tractors, right? There were no large equipment to try to harvest grain. Everything was done by hand. And because of that, uh, in this particular area, Bethlehem, the house of bread, uh, there were large fields, too large a field for one person to take care of and to control all by themselves. So sometimes these large stretches of fields would be broken up and there would be different groups of tribe, different people from each tribe or different leaders of the tribe or um, different members of family operating different sections of the field. So Ruth could have gone out and started harvesting uh, on the edges of any field. Um, It just so happened that she came to Boaz's field. Um, And what would seem like Uh, something of chance at this point in time, okay? And behold, Boaz came from Bethlehem, and he said to the reapers, the Lord be with you. And they answered, the Lord bless you. All right, so again, we kind of get this this language of chance again. And behold, okay? (laughs) It just so happened that Ruth was harvesting in this field, and it just so happened that Boaz showed up during the time that she was harvesting in the field. Um, So, as we read at the beginning of the service, there were special rules when it came to foreigners, um, people that maybe weren't employable, people that were widows or orphans that needed to provide for themselves. Um, Farmers were to leave the outside of the fields unpicked and... If they left things in the field, as we read, they sh- those things that were left in the field should stay there. And this was a law that God had put in place so that everyone within his promised land would be taken care of. So this was a very good law that God set into place. And this is exactly um, what it is that Ruth is banking on, right? This law. That there, is, that there are going to be good people that are obeying God's law, that there are going to be worthy people in God's eyes that are obeying God's law and leaving things in the field for the poor, for the orphan, for the widow, for the foreigner. Um, 
But as we see Boaz coming in, we start to, we're going to see continually this picture of why he is uh, honorable, okay? Why he is worthy. Um, But he comes right into the field and he says, the Lord be with you. And they answered, the Lord bless you. Now, we say this, right? Um, When someone sneezes, God bless you. Do we expect that everyone that says God bless you knows Jesus and loves Jesus and is following after Jesus? No, not necessarily. And yet, the, what exactly Boaz is saying here is, the Lord be with you. Now, we saw back in chapter 1 when Naomi says that the Lord had visited his people. But also we saw just now in the book of Exodus that God is promising to live with his people. And so this is more than just a God bless you, right? This is Boaz saying, the Lord be with you. The Lord is with you. The Lord is dwelling amongst his people. Um, and those that are harvesting for and along with Boaz respond and say, the Lord bless you. Then Boaz said to his young man who was in charge of the reapers, whose young woman is this? And the servant who was in charge of the reapers answered, She's the young Moabite woman who came back with Naomi from the country of Moab. She said, Let me glean and gather among the sheaves after the reapers. So she came, and she has continued from the early morning until now, except for a short rest. I love in verse 5 there, Whose young woman is this? Boaz seems to take notice of Ruth. We don't know exactly why that is. Is it because she's beautiful? Maybe. Uh, is it because she's not beautiful? Maybe. <laughs> is it because she's dressed differently because she's a Moabite? Could be. Um, but I think it's important to notice that we're not necessarily focusing on who Ruth is right now. Uh, we're focusing on the fact that Boaz noticed Ruth. Right? Uh, yet another example here, I think, of why Boaz is a worthy person. Uh, a shepherd knows his flock, right? He steps onto the work site for one minute and he notices someone who isn't normally there. Boaz knows who his sheep are and he's taking care of those sheep. Um, and now, we don't know exactly what's going on here except for to say that Ruth came into the scene And not only did she start harvesting around the edges, but she came in and basically asked if she could just harvest the grain along with everyone else. Um, That's a pretty bold thing for a foreigner who doesn't have gainful employment to start asking, right? Uh, And so it sounds like the foreman here says, yeah, she came in, she wanted to harvest, so she started doing it, and she's kept working uh, from the early morning until now. Um, so, now Boaz could have stepped in, and he could have said, no, I don't want her harvesting, and she needs to give back all that grain. Uh, but he doesn't say that. Uh, um, in fact, with the continued explanation by the foreman out in the field, we, we get the picture that Ruth has already proved herself in a half a day uh, that she is a hard worker. Um, and potentially even that she is not only a hard worker, but she is doing the work that is reserved not only for women, but the work that is reserved for men in the field. Okay? 
Um, and we're going to see that again later on. But the men's work would typically be to be taking down the large stalks of grain and then to be piling them up. And then the women would follow behind and be picking up loose pieces and then also tying into sheaves, into bundles, the grain that was there. And Ruth seems to be helping out with both of these things. Uh, but she has proven herself to be diligent even in a half a day's work. Um, which leads us to our next important thing that I think we should take notice of. And that is the importance of simple devotion. Okay? Um, we've already seen that uh, first in Naomi's character, then in Ruth's character. Even more so in Ruth's character. That she was willing to set aside everything that she knew, everything that could have been comfortable for her, and go out into a place of discomfort, right? Becoming an alien, becoming a stranger. And uh, I think that we see in that, and we're going to be seeing this theme throughout chapter 2, just simple devotion, okay? Um, not that it's an easy thing, not, not what I mean by simple, but it's single-minded, if you will. She knows that she has to provide for her family, and she's doing that. And she's going to do whatever it takes to make sure that her family is well provided for, even if that means asking to go above and beyond what it would be expected of her. And then verse 8, Then Boaz said to Ruth, Now listen, my daughter, do not glean in another field or leave this one, but keep close to my young women. Let your eyes be on the field that they are reaping and go after them. Have I not charged the young men not to touch you? And when you were thirsty, go to the vessels and drink what the young men have drawn. And then she fell on her face, bowing to the ground, and said to him, Why have I found favor in your eyes that you should take notice of me, a foreigner? And we'll stop there. Um, I love that Boaz just addresses Ruth directly. Right? He's the boss. Uh, and yet he could have asked his foreman to go deal with it. Uh, instead, he steps down, as it were, as that good shepherd and steps alongside Ruth and starts addressing her. Um, and he encourages her to stay, stay in my field, stay with my people, because you might not be safe out there. And we know this, right? We, we know that especially we think about women here in South Africa uh, where physical violence is a threat against women in South Africa. It's always on the forefront. Specifically then for our friends that are foreigners to South Africa. This is a serious issue that we are faced with. And this is a serious issue that foreigners in this day would have been faced with as well. Why is that? Many reasons why that could be. A verse that I left out of the passage today. Um, but... It was the expectation during this time that if a Jewish man physically assaulted or took advantage of a woman, that he would be responsible for that woman. But Ruth is not technically a Jewish woman. Now, Naomi knows that she's faithful and <laughs> has become a Jew, um, but no one else really knows who Ruth is. Um, but Boaz seems to know. Boaz seems to know, we're going to see that in verse 11. Uh, but also, I, I love when Ruth asks, why have you found favor, why have I found favor in your eyes? I, she, I'm only a foreigner, and, but we know the answer to that. 
Because Boaz is a worthy man. And Boaz knows the law. Boaz knows that he is to take care of widows, which is what Naomi is. And the means in order to take care of Naomi is Ruth. And she is a foreigner, and he is to take care of foreigners. Um, And so he is doing just that. He's being obedient to the law, which further proves that he is a a worthy man. Another way that we could describe this simple devotion is acting faithfully, even when it does not feel like we're acting in faith, okay? (laughs) And that's exactly what Ruth did that morning when she stepped out, right? Um, She knew that she had to provide. I'm sure that there was fear there for all the things that we discussed in chapter one, right? Being away from your home and going into a strange place. And yet she did it because she had to. And it might not have felt like a step of faith right then. Okay? But that simple act of devotion was a step of faith for Ruth and for Naomi. And we see that uh, that act of faith, God is responding to that now. But Boaz answered her, All that you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband has been fully told to me, and how you've left your father and mother and your native land and came to a people that you did not know before. Um, It's interesting, the Hebrew that's used here is very similar to another passage that I'll just touch on very quickly uh, from Genesis chapter 12. Now the Lord said to Abram, go from your country and your kindred, and your father's house to the land I will show you. And I will make you a great nation, I will bless you, and I will make your name great, so that you will be a blessing. And we'll stop there. But that verse 1 of chapter 12 of Genesis is nearly the exact same language that we're seeing here. In fact, it almost seems like Boaz is commending Ruth for being much like uh, the matriarch, if you will, Sarah. She has gone out of her country and into the country that God has promised to his people. Um, And we could read a lot more into that. I'm not sure if it's fair to this passage yet to read that into there. Uh, But we we know who Ruth is, right? And we know uh, what God is going to do through her, uh, through her womb. And so much like the, the promise that was made to Abram and was fulfilled, in part through Sarah, uh, we're continuing to see God's promises to his people uh, uh, relived, uh, re-seen, and then lived out or fulfilled again through another woman, another foreigner that's brought into the place that God has promised to his people. Um, We also see here the importance of being known as worthy and honorable. Uh, Now, Naomi knew that this Boaz character was honorable, that he was worthy, uh, worthy, right, to be able to say that this, whatever it is, is worth something. It's us ascribing worth, uh, telling about how much worth something has. So to call uh, Boaz a worthy man is the exact same language that we see in Proverbs 31 for a worthy woman. Um, And in fact, it's the same word that we're going to see used in chapter 3 for Ruth, who is described as that worthy woman. 
so in the Hebrew Bible, actually, in the Jewish Bible, uh, Ruth comes after Proverbs. Um, and it's meant to do that purposefully because right after the last chapter in Proverbs, the picture of what an honorable woman is, a worthy woman is, boom, here's the living incarnation of what a worthy, honorable woman is. And so this is, uh, we need to be uh, mindful of that word worthy or honorable, uh, just a person of high standing in that way, right? And we're going to see that continue to develop. The Lord repay you for what you have done, and a full reward be given you by the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge. Then she said, I have found favor in your eyes, my Lord, for you have comforted me and spoken kindly to your servant, though I'm not one of your servants. So we see here that Boaz hasn't hired Ruth on, and yet he said that, no, you just keep working alongside my people. And she realizes that. Um, Why did he not hire her? I don't know. Uh, Maybe it's not important, okay? Uh, But maybe maybe it's uh, not good to give a job to a foreigner, and yet he's just showing graciousness to her. I don't know why. Um, But... I love the fact that she is realizing how important what he has done for her. Uh, But even more than that, Boaz seems to think that what he has done isn't really that great. Now, how can I say this? Uh, We all know that the law, uh, even though we don't have to abide to every single letter of the law as it was, Uh, The moral law, which the taking care of foreigners, orphans, and widows, these are things that uh, are still expected of us. These are things that are commended to us by Jesus even. And um, so what does that mean for us here? Um, I I think that that means specifically, for instance, if you have someone that comes and helps in your home, uh, be taking care of that person as well as you can. And there are ways that we can gauge that. Uh, and I'll just use Tara and I as an example real quick. You know, Tara and I don't have enough money to pay someone to be with us all week long, even though that would be really helpful, and we would love to do that for somebody else. Um, But for the day or two days a week that we can have someone come into our home and help us, and that person, uh, for lack of better terms, is a foreigner, um, we need to take care of that person. Uh, That means paying that person a livable wage now. That doesn't mean that I can pay her for all five days of work, but that does mean that I can pay her the equivalent of what two of those five days should be, right? Paying her well for that time. Um, And that's exactly what Boaz has done here. He hasn't overextended himself, but he has taken care of her the best of his ability. Um, And he says, the Lord repay you for what you have done. Uh, He's saying, look, I I can't repay you enough for taking care of a a fellow Israelite and someone that's a part of my family, but I know that the Lord can do that. And so I I pray that he will do that for you. Um, Almost Boaz is in a sense saying that God's indebted to you. (laughs) Uh, Now, that's a little bit strong, but that's exactly where Boaz is. That's how strong Boaz's language is here. Okay. Um, 
And at mealtime, Boaz said to her, come here and eat. Uh, Eat some bread and dip your morsel in the wine. So she sat beside the reapers and he passed to her roasted grain. And she ate until she was satisfied. And she had some left over. And when she rose to glean, Boaz instructed his young men, saying, Let her glean even among the sheaves, and do not reproach her. And also pull out some from the other bundles for, for her, and leave it for her to glean, and do not rebuke her. Uh, so again, here we have Boaz being overly generous to her. Um, he, so not only is she allowed to glean in the field along with everyone, but they're going to leave some behind for her and whatever amount that she would normally be gleaning that was left behind. Okay? She's literally getting the best of all worlds here as far as her work is concerned. Uh, and uh, she had leftover food from lunch, okay? uh, which is going to be really important when we go on to the next couple of verses. Um, one thing that I left out of verse 13 that I should have, well, from 11 to 13, the kind of kindness that Boaz is showing to Ruth, uh, Boaz is also insinuating that it's only the same level of kindness that she has shown to Naomi. Right? Uh, which, I love this picture, because last week we talked about Ruth kind of going off Naomi's example of trying to put the best for others forward, okay? Uh, trying to put uh, others before herself. Uh, Boaz has taken notice of this, and he's trying to do the same. Um, he's literally, even though we know he's an honorable man, he knows the law, he's seen as honorable from everyone else around him, uh, he's, in a sense, following Ruth's example here, uh, which is a beautiful thing. Also, the fact that uh, Ruth was invited in to eat with the other farm workers as though she were a hired hand, uh, being welcomed into the, the family, as it were, like that. Going on to verse 17 now. So she gleaned in the field until evening. Then she beat out what she had gleaned, and it was about an ephath of farley. Uh, it's 22 liters, right? So think about like a 25 liter of water. Uh, she would have had to <laughs> throw all of that on her back to get home that night. It would have been a lot of work. Um, and she took it up and she went into the city. Her mother-in-law saw what she had gleaned. She also brought out and gave her what food she had left over from being satisfied. Okay, now think about this. Not easy to cook in this day, Right? Uh, it's like waiting on a braai, <laughs> which, which I'm not trying to complain, but can be tedious. Not for me, but the fact that I have three children that are clamoring at my legs, wanting their food now, and we have to wait for an hour and a half for the fire to get down to coals, and so on and so forth. All right, this is making dinner back in, back in this day, okay? Uh, and so, picture it now. Not only... Is Ruth bringing home enough food to feed her Naomi? But Ruth is bringing home dinner for Naomi, food that's already been cooked for her, right? Uh, 
And not only is she bringing home enough food for tomorrow or the next day, but she's got a lot of grain. So all of a sudden, we went from Naomi and Ruth coming out of Moab um, and having to leave, leave Israel because of there being no food, there being little water. Now they come back, and they are blessed with not only food for tomorrow, but food for tonight, and then enough even to be generous with. Right? Actually, very much like we just read in Genesis 12, 12, why, or in Genesis chapter 12, why are we blessed? The same reason that Abram was blessed. We are blessed to be a blessing, okay? And I think that Ruth and Naomi would understand this. Um, Boaz understood this, right? Uh, he was a man of note. He seems to have had a little bit of money, um, and he knew that he could be generous with Ruth. Um, he knew that he could bless because he had been blessed. And her mother-in-law said to her, Where did you glean today? And where have you worked? Blessed be the man who took notice of you. So she told her mother-in-law with whom she had worked and said, The man's name with whom I work today is Boaz. And Naomi said to her daughter-in-law, May he be blessed by the Lord, whose kindness has not forsaken the living or the dead. Naomi also said to her, The man is a close relative of relative of ours, one of our redeemers. Which is such a powerful word to use, right? Um, and so, I think that we probably can all guess what's happening here, or we've heard this before, or we already know, but this idea of a kinsman redeemer, or a family redeemer, someone that is to marry uh, a woman in the family that has become a widow, um, and in that, uh, protect the family's land, protect the family name, be able to protect the woman who is highly vulnerable as a widow, uh, even in her home country, uh, also to protect the children of that woman. Now, we know that Naomi didn't have any, but uh, Naomi is excited here. And I can almost assure you that Ruth might not understand exactly why Naomi is so excited by this. Um, because really, up until now, as we talked about at the beginning, this has been a matter of chance for Ruth, in a sense. Now, she might understand that God is taking care of her, and yet at the same time, oh good, I'm just, she's probably glad that she ended up in a nice person's field with young men that aren't going to assault her, right? Okay, and Ruth the Moabite said, Besides, he said to me, You shall keep close to my young men until they have finished all my harvest. And Naomi said to Ruth, her daughter-in-law, It is good, my daughter, that you go out with his young women, lest in another field you be assaulted. So she kept close to the young women of Boaz, <laughs> gleaning until the end of the barley and wheat harvest, and she lived with her mother-in-law. And here we see the importance of remaining faithful. The importance of staying faithful. Um, now, uh, we see here that Ruth is in a good place. For at least three months of the year now, uh, because they arrived at the beginning of harvest, uh, barley harvest would usually go on for about two months, and then another month for weed harvest. 
here's what we know. She had work for three months, okay? <laughs> uh, and probably, um, it probably took her longer than that to thresh the grain herself because she most likely was not doing that on Boaz's property, but she did have all the food that they needed. Um, and so even though she has been very blessed and she has settled, she is living with her mother-in-law, we still don't get the sense that things are settled, okay? That there is total security in this new life, in this new land. Um, and yet, we see that Ruth is going to remain faithful. She's going to remain faithful to gathering grain. Uh, she's going to remain faithful and uh, continue to work in Boaz's field, and she's going to remain faithful and stay with her mother-in-law. Now, at this point in the story, anything could happen. Uh, Ruth could catch the eye of a young Israelite man, and she could be married. Uh, and we even are going to see in chapter 3 that Boaz admits that, yeah, this is totally possible. Um, and yet, uh, we're hoping for her, and we're going to see that Ruth is remaining faithful to her mother-in-law, Naomi, who she has committed herself to. Um, and that's a part of uh, her committing herself to Yahweh, right? Uh, under whose wings she has sought security. So, Ruth is right now seeing hope for the present, and Naomi is getting a picture, as most mothers do, <laughs> is getting a picture of hope for the future. And this is a very good place to leave for this week, right? Um, just a couple of things to clean up from today, maybe things that I forgot. Um, I love the fact that in these verses, uh, you and I know what's happening, right? <laughs> we can look at this, and we know that this is not a matter of chance. This is not a matter of luck. Uh, that God is sovereignly ordaining what's going on. Um, and yet, uh, from this, I think that if we're honest, if we just look at chapter 2 and we don't look at chapter 3, chapter 4, um, which, I mean, it's just like reading a novel, right? If you're reading a good book, you shouldn't be able to guess what's going to happen in the future of the book. Uh, a bad book, you probably do know what's going to happen. Uh, but Ruth doesn't know what's going to happen. Um, she's been asked to remain faithful by God, and she's doing just that. She doesn't know what tomorrow is going to bring, but she knows that she's safe for right now. This is the story of our lives as well. So I'm being kind of cute, kind of funny about the whole luck issue. But the reality is, uh, I think that I move through my life like this. And I think a lot of us do move through our lives like this. We look at lives, and we look at our lives, um, and we say, yeah, we, damn, we got really lucky on this one. We got lucky that we weren't in that car crash. We got lucky that... Um, you know, I was able to have this kind of influence in a person's life as opposed to having a negative influence in a person's life, so on and so forth. We can look at all of those things and say that we got lucky, or we can look at all of those things and say, God made that luck, right? Uh, I was blessed in this situation, 
and I was blessed to be a blessing. Um, So what we see in Ruth chapter 2 is oftentimes where we're at in our lives. Uh, It's a life of looking, maybe not five years into the future, um, but looking at tomorrow, looking at next week, and usually looking at it with blinders on, right? Um, Exactly, right? We don't know what's happening in chapter... You don't know what's happening in chapter... No, you probably do know what's happening in chapter 3, but pretend with me for a second that you don't. And God is blessing Ruth, right? Ruth is going to be that that next matriarch, if we want to say it like that. She is going to be that woman who is blessed and used by God. Um, He's going to do that through a worthy man, Boaz, and he's going to do that through Ruth's simple or single-minded acts of faithfulness that are moving this story forward. And so let that be an encouragement to each of us too, right? Simple acts of faithfulness. In fact, I was, uh, last night, Tara and I were sitting around and she said, Wade, I don't think anyone's going to be at church tomorrow. (laughs) And I said, I said, T, I was already thinking about it. Should I call Mike and have him send Cynthia? Like, just say, no, I want to save Cynthia for a day, right? Okay, which we are grateful. (laughs) Um, But even in the small act of faith of having a service today, um, we pray that God uses that, right? We pray that God uses that. And... uh, that's where our hope has to be. That's where our hope has to be. Or else everything is just by chance and by luck, and today was a day of bad luck, and hopefully next week will be a day of good luck. Right? That's not the way God works. Thanks for listening, and remember that you were brought into the church by the saving work and person of Jesus. Also, that you are sent out to tell everyone about him. We look forward to you joining us for the next episode of Mountain View Scattered. Mm